0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another special edition of Side Conversations on Sideshow Conversations. It's me, your boy Val, always trying to give you the best in elite entertainment when it comes to movie reviews, comic reviews, and video games. And today I have a special guest all the way from the Stoop and from the Kamora Chronicles. It's your boy Jay Rance. How you doing, Jay? i'm chilling
1: man i'm like i feel like i'm out of my element actually because you know i'm I'm doing a podcast this early
0: you know like so <laughs> it's a little
1: strange but i like it you know you always got to break out the routine and the comfort zone so i mean i'm good man
0: oh, of course but. i know you feel a little strange and that's because we're mm-hmm. gonna do a deep dive into the classic that i'm calling it because i feel like this is gonna be remembered for the next five to six years i'm gonna call it a classic right about now it is stranger things it is on season two, and it's on Netflix, and I kind of wanted to let the dust settle a little bit after the last, what, two and a half weeks that's been out. People have been doing their little reviews, day-by-day day reviews, reactions, mm-hmm. and now that the dust has settled, and we're almost in a month in, I want to do a little bit of a deep dive. First and foremost, how did you feel about season two?
1: Season two, I felt real good about it. I enjoyed it. Um, I actually enjoyed it um, over season one. So I have like I mean I really have no complaints because I just enjoyed it that much because I'm usually a person that doesn't binge watch but season 2 made me binge watch and I haven't really binge watched since Sons of Anarchy you get what I'm saying so Definitely. it was that it was that good that I had to sit here binge watch I think I finished the the season like in 2 or 3 days you know and I stopped just to you know, give it a little rest. But I, I have no complaints overall. Overall, is a great package. You know, let's say season one, two, Stranger Things is a great package. I have no complaints about season two. I'm happy. I'm looking forward to season three.
0: Well, you know, I agree on you. Um, I love, I love the season from top to bottom. Yeah. Do I love it more than the first season? I'm not too sure yet. I think I'm gonna have to go through a second viewing again to see if I actually love it more than mm-hmm. the first season. And that's what I did with the first season. I watched it twice to see how my reaction would be. But I'm going to go deep dive into it now and say that I give it, you know, maybe season one, one edge over season two, over a couple things. But the things I did love about season two was just the character development. The fact that all the characters are fleshed out when it comes to the kids, when it comes to the teenagers, when it comes to the adults, when it comes to the plot of the story, I felt like there were more twists and turns. And I do feel like, we got somewhat of a payoff at the end. Not much mm-hmm. of it, but somewhat of a payoff in a good way. We're going to go into spoiler territory, so I'm going to put that in the notes when the podcast is released that we are going to speak some spoilers in this, pod- in this podcast. But i want to ask... Go ahead, go ahead.
1: Yeah, Michael, but I just have a question. Uh, I, I want to dive into your mind. Which edges do you give season one over season two?
0: Um, or the, do you want to
1: save that for later? In the no,
0: podcast? no, no. I'll save oh, it right okay. now. Uh, it took me by surprise. That's okay. the thing. Um, whenever you have something that's like your first, that catches you by surprise in a good way, you're always mm. going to hold near and dear to it. Mm. Yeah, and, exactly. you know, this came out before, you know, the revival of it and a couple of movies like that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it fit the mold of where I want to watch a movie. I was craving for a movie like E.T. or Close Encounters of the Third Kind for a long time. So when I saw Stranger Things for the first time, especially with my daughter and other people as well too, it it brought a camaraderie almost of people saying, wow, this is like an event in a way. And where I see Stranger Things too, I was craving it, but I wasn't as taken back Mm -hmm. as I was with season one.
1: Yeah, because season one was your first um, taste of it. Like you said, it caught you by surprise. It's kinda like I'm I'm sorry it's a funky reference, you know, but it's kinda like your first time. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah just definitely. to keep it just to keep it, you know, toned down, it's like your first time. You're always gonna remember that person. You get what I'm saying? So since season one was the one that sparked that magic for you, you were looking forward to season two, but it's like, okay, I already know what I'm getting into. This was like, whoa, and plus since you were waiting for things of that nature. Okay, I understand where you're coming from.
0: Definitely, definitely. And it's not to say that it's a bad thing whatsoever, because I do love mm. the series. The season was great. Uh, I was just i felt i maybe not that I expected more, but I wanted something a little bit different. I okay. still feel that and we're going to spoilers right here that we could have went away from the will character because once again I felt like it was um you know all connected to will once again, and I feel like with the upside down world and the shadow creature, I felt mm-hmm. like it, it it still harkens back to season one in a way where It's like a season one and a half instead of a season two, in my opinion. I feel like it's too, too close to home, whereas Mm -hmm. maybe season three will change that. But Mm -hmm. that's just my personal opinion. Did you feel that there was any things that you would have changed in season two? Or maybe, uh, I guess, maybe try to differentiate yourself from season one?
1: Mmm not really but if i had a complaint it's like you said it all focuses around will but i understand why because he was the one that got abducted yes. you know what i'm saying so it's going to have to rotate around will but um and we saw in this season that they kind of try they kind of tried to um cast it off between two characters you know it was like very will orientated along with dustin yeah. so you know i guess they were trying to mix it up between two characters but i mean that would be my my, if I could change something, but I really wouldn't, so, because like I said, he was the one that got abducted, so he's the one going through the trauma, so that's kind of has to, In somewhat, he's the main protagonist, do you know right. what I'm saying? In some ways, he's the protagonist.
0: So, question to you, now that mm. we look, focus on some things that maybe we didn't like, or maybe we could have change, let's just focus on things that we loved about it, because so many mm-hmm. people can downplay the season, saying, oh, I don't like this, or I don't like that, yeah. and I don't want to be that, that's why I kind of got that out the way first, and now I okay. want to focus on the things that were extraordinary. So why don't you tell me, what were your favorite parts about this season?
1: Well, my my favorite, favorite overall was that it was more of a, of a 80s tribute. You saw more of that 80s culture in in season two compared to season one. Yeah, you had the 83 or whatever, you know, culture, the 80s, but in this one, you know, you saw the arcades, like, you know, that's when arcades were starting to become a big thing. You know, they were hanging around there, Dragon Lair, you know, that was a big game. Um, the whole Ghostbusters, and it, for me, it's gonna be everything geeky because we're you know we're nerds and geeks. Yeah, so definitely. Like, the whole Gus- uh, Ghostbusters, the the um, <clears throat> excuse me, what else? Um, the geeking uh, geek out session where they had you know I don't want to get too into it, but I think it was episode eight. You know, for later, so we'll discuss it and stuff. But I just enjoyed it more that it was an overall '80s tribute. You know, then we also saw um a real trick in um one of the characters in billy you get what i'm saying like you had that 80s antagonist somewhat to steve so i enjoyed that as well like okay we saw a badass you get what i'm saying so i don't know those are the really things but the main one is the 80s tribute like i felt this one was more of a tribute to the 80s it was heavy orientated on that what about you what did you enjoy
0: no i totally agree um that compared to season one to this season two had more pop culture references all around, whether it be the mm-hmm. arcades, whether it be the music behind it, whether it be mm-hmm. the homages to 80s movies like Aliens, um, especially with episodes 6 and 7. There's so many homages to the movie Alien and Aliens. Um, Ghostbusters. I mean, Steve's character going from you know the douchebag prick from Fast Times to Richmond High all the way close to an Escape to New York character in a way. You know, He's <laughs> To do turns into um, uh, what's my man's name from from Escape to New York? My man's Snake, Snake, right? Yes, uh, (laughs) Exactly. It's like he becomes badass overnight, and not in a Mm prick way, in a great way. I mean, I I love the character dynamics between Hopper and Eleven. Maybe that was my favorite part right there. Um, Being as a father uh, to a daughter and uh, to a teenager as well, to see the reactions between Eleven and Hopper, knowing that Hopper has failed attempts with his past daughter trying to implement yeah. that knowledge and that 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 protection as a protector to his to his, I guess, surrogate daughter now. It, it it's very emotional. That's the emotional ride that I love. And people say, oh, it's too much hopper. It's too much Eleven. We don't get enough of Eleven doing her own thing. We got a whole episode of Eleven doing her own thing. But I love the huh? dynamic between them though.
1: I actually sorry for cutting you off. I actually I enjoyed that that we didn't get that much eleven. Like I'm not trying to bashed or nothing but i mean like we know she's an enigma like, we still don't know you know where she got her powers from or whatever but sometimes and this is just me this is my opinion sometimes she's kind of a debbie downer for me you know what i'm saying right. so i mean i'm sorry to just you know uh but i mean i'm just kind of happy that wasn't you know we got one full episode on her you know of course so i saw her her brief you know past and stuff but I'm actually happy about that because sometimes I felt like in season one she was just too much of a Debbie Downer for me. My question to you is, um, do you feel they gave uh, Steve this turnaround because they were kind of losing that character, that he fell into a limbo that we don't really know what to do with this character and we might just, you know, off him off? You get what I'm saying?
0: No, I don't think so. I, I think what it was maybe could have been the backlash to season one's finale. Where you mm-hmm. saw Nancy and Steve together and it's like, yeah. what the hell happened? Jonathan was there the whole entire time busting asses with you. I know Steve yes. smacked around the demigorgon a couple of times with the bat, but it wasn't as essential <laughs> as Jonathan was with Nancy. And yeah. you saw that play out in this season, but I think they wanted to give Steve like a redemption story saying, okay, you know, he was such a horrible prick that you just wanted him to be the one that died, not Barb. And yeah. let's try to make this character something more than what he seems. Because, of course, with Steve's character, you see so much growth from the fact mm-hmm. that he breaks up with Nancy or Nancy breaks up with him, vice versa. And he's off on his own. What is he going to do? Well, he's going to join the ragtag team and become, you know, a knight in shining armor with his back, quote unquote. So I love the term for Steve. I thought he was essential to the story. I thought he was, if anything, he was almost the heart of the group that was yeah, lacking was. it was it was lacking it was lacking some heart because they were all over the place, so many plot points were all over the place that if anything, Steve brought everybody together. if you could say mm-hmm. that
1: yeah, no, definitely i I started at first with season one. I really did not like Steve to me, he came across that's what they made him come across as that prick, but like you said, he started turning around in season one coming full circle and season two, he just went complete full circle, so I appreciate his character after this turn and um it's like you said, He, I love it because he has, like, that big bro connection with these kids, but he still treats them like a big bro, you know, where he just calls them shitheads and stuff like that. You get what I'm saying? Like, I got to take care of you guys, you know? So, I like that kind of like that big bro um feel with the whole group like Will has with his brother. You know right. what I'm saying? So, I did appreciate that because he kind of va- – he, he, and he became a hero to Dustin. You get what I'm saying? Like Definitely. he kind of became that hero for Dustin to look up to him. So I really appreciated his turnaround.
0: Well, speaking about Will's brother, how did you feel about, I guess, the, the on and off will they, won't they relationship between Jonathan and Nancy finally coming to, True. was it a Debbie Downer for you? Was it a little bit too much will they, won't they? Or did you feel that it was necessary for the story?
1: Well, I feel um, it was too much, first of all. Like, we knew there was chemistry between these two characters. We knew it was just a matter of time. Did they drag it? <clears throat> Excuse me. Did they drag it along a little bit too much? Maybe, but that's why they needed to, you know, to, to let that moment grow, you know, to that, to escalate to that point. When they got to that point, was it kind of lackluster? Maybe. I thought it was going to be on some more. Heroic stuff, you know, him beating down some demo dogs for her and stuff. Like, yeah. Uh, you
0: know. Yeah.
1: So, did you feel like it dragged? I felt it dragged to a bit. Like, you know, it's, it's the cliche drag. Like, we know there's the chemistry, but hey, just get to it. You know what I'm saying? I
0: did think it was cliche borrowing from different movies, but at the yeah. same token, though, I think when they finally got together, it was impactful, especially when my man, um, conspiracy theorist, was <laughs> oh, egg- hanging egging love them that. on for like, what, almost a, like a whole day. Like, are you yeah. going to do it? There's a pullout <laughs> couch. You know, there's an extra yeah. bed. Just sleep in the bed together. So I think yeah. when they both uh, finally found each other, yeah, it was a trope. We see in different movies. But it was yeah. nice to see that. I would have definitely loved to see Jonathan be a more of a hero to Nancy than anything. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I think it was just they were getting together because of the events that happened in their lives. They both have scars, mm-hmm. so they both compare scars, and they want to, I guess, be with each other because they could see each other's wounds and try to close them. Even in the last scenes of episode um, 7 and 8, you see Nancy be there for Jonathan in a way more maternal, trying to hug him, trying to be there for him. So it's mm-hmm. not really like... Boyfriend and girlfriend. It's more of like I'm your best friend there. So it's like best friends getting it on a little bit Whereas if you look at Nancy the seeds are already there for season three where that um, Steve, no. Steve and Nancy are still kind of there you you yeah. see it there Steve wants her back Nancy kind of wants them back if anything Steve's yeah. fighting everybody for Nancy still to become a better boyfriend
1: No, oh, he is And no pun intended. The seeds are there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But yeah, like
1: uh, I don't know. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. It's like they came across; they're nurturing each other because they went through this life traumatic experience. Exactly. So, but to me, it was just really cliche. It's like, oh, get to it. But that conspiracy theorist was I loved him because he just kept egging it on. You get what I'm saying? Yes. He just kept here like, okay, it's palpable. But can I just do it? You get what I'm saying? (laughs) And then I enjoyed the, the scene the next morning. Where he's like, oh, so Jonathan, how was the pullout? And then he just dropped, oh, I (laughs) need the couch. Like, you get what I'm saying? So, yeah, but, I mean, it felt a little bit cliche and it dragged a little bit for me.
0: Okay, all right. So, uh, as we end one relationship there, let's go on to another brooding relationship that was going throughout the season. It was, like, the triple romance between Mm. Lucas, Dustin, and Mad Max. How did you feel that was going on? You know, from episode one all the way to episode nine, we saw just that blossom and finally culminating to the last episode. Yeah, I, I actually thought
1: the first time I saw this, I was like, I hope this doesn't hurt the bromance. You get what yeah. I'm saying? Like That's the first thing I felt. I was like, okay, it's cool. It's awesome. You know, it adds more dynamics to the characters, as you said. It shows another side, more character development. But I was just like, please... Do not mess the bromance up, you know, because usually sometimes, you know, let's be honest, a female come between, you know, guy friends. Of course. So that's what I was hoping. Like, don't let that happen. But I'm just going to really touch the issue because a lot of people have an issue with this, that <laughs> these characters, these child are giving sexual desires. Like, right. you get what I'm saying? This is honestly this is this is stuff that happens these kids these kids are in their teens you know pre pubescent or whatever you want to call it. so you're going to have feelings like that and they just put it in there to make it, the story more interesting you know so but getting back on um with the with the triple threat you know the romance and stuff i i enjoyed it it was cool i felt like it also um i guess made uh, dustin and lucas Closer in a way, you get what I'm saying? Like right. Dustin kind of accepted defeat. He was like, I forgot, I forgot what episode it was. I see the energy or something like that is bright. So I was cool for it. I don't have a problem with it. I just did
0: not want the bromance to break up. You know, <laughs> when it comes to the bromance, um, I saw... Once I saw the introduction of Dart, the little uh, mini Demi Gorgon dog um, coming mm-hmm. to Dustin's life, mm-hmm. I saw that that was what the Duffer Brothers, the showrunners of Stranger Things... Put in there so that way, um, that that way Lucas and Max could have a little love interest going through day by day while Dustin was nurturing this little demigorgon lizard. You know, his focus was on that, even though it was trying to impress Max with it. The same token, he had a connection and a bond with that that kind of strayed him away from Max and Lucas. So I I felt like it wasn't really two friends. Attacking for a girl because mm-hmm. of the fact that one person was actually putting in the work while the other guy was just, you know, goofing off trying to figure out ways to impress her with other manners. So I didn't see that I was going to break up the group. I mean, when it finally came together and they confronted each other about it, it wasn't even like that. I was like, you know, she held your hand, she likes you more. And it was like, well, you know, yeah. if you would have been running around with that little Jimmy Gorgon dog all <laughs> day, you might have had a chance too, bro. So yeah. that was like a real big fight they had right there. But other than that, they were like, "We gotta get to business. Shit's going down. You know, the world's about the end. Will's going yeah. crazy having you know seizure attacks. Let's <laughs> let's try to let's try to help our boy
1: out." Yeah, I I feel you, and I and I agree with you on that. That while uh, Lucas was nurturing his relationship with Max um dustin was caught up with the little demo lizard um so i i, I agree that kind of separated the tension of the bromance breaking up but um now i'm gonna ask you about that topic that i just touched a lot of people a lot of people say it's controversial how do you feel about these teens having little i don't want to sit here and say sexual desire but that little puppy love you get what i'm saying how do you feel about that
0: um you know what It's always been in films since the 70s and 80s. It kind of calmed down in the late 90s. And then Mm -hmm. for some reason, we thought from late 90s going into the 2000s that sex was never in movies or at least in PG-13 movies or at least these kids never had desires. And if you look back into the early days of film, of course, especially the 80s, every 80s kid's movie, whether it be in high school, whether it be in elementary school, they all are trying to score. Even if yeah. you look back in musicals from the 70s, Grease, it's all about scoring in high school. Exactly. So at the end of the day, yes, I know you're putting kids in a predicament of kissing each other and talking about getting naked or you're having Nancy and um, Jonathan getting it on and drinking beer and drinking alcohol at a young age. But guess what? That's real life. And especially exactly. in the 80s, um, that was the biggest thing that was happening. House parties, getting laid, and having right. moments as a kid and as a teenager. So, you know what? Is it the right thing? Of course not. But this is where you tell your kids, hey, you know, you're know, you not supposed to be doing this. That's where you come in as a parent. Yes, as say, a parent, exactly. Don't do that. It's fun yes. to see on TV. Art imitates life. But the same token, you're the parent. So, yeah, no, no, start, no, no,
1: no. You start talking about the bees and the birds, the stork, whatever you want to say. You know, you break it down
0: i don't have a problem people
1: might get offended by what i'm saying i don't have a problem because this is this is life and they're bringing it onto the screen and it adds more depth to the character development as we said in the beginning and it either or any type of shock value whether it's good or bad is still good for the product overall you get what i'm saying oh yeah so i didn't have a problem with it i understand oh but your child's or no but no At the age of 13 or 12, you started getting desires. You started crushing on your teacher or something. You get what I'm saying? So it's normal. I don't have a
0: problem with it. It's normal. Let's talk about our favorite characters. I know yours already, and we'll get into them. We'll do a deep dive on him. I'm going to tell you mine. And it was a Mm -hmm. complete surprise because I stayed away from spoilers. I stayed away from the cheat sheets. Yeah. And when I finally saw him, I was like, Lord, this is going to be a great season because (laughs) he's in it. And it's Sean Aston playing Bob Newby, and Bob, <laughs> my man, Samwise Gamgee, you know, yeah. <laughs> he was a feel-good character throughout the whole season. Every time he came in, you know, Clueless, Cl- Clueless Bob, the nerd mm-hmm. that finally got the girl from high school, you know, the guy that's trying so hard to be a dad, or at least a stepdad, or at least a friend to the kids, uh, you know, trying to make his way in this world, but in a good, healthy manner. I mean, mm. he was such a great character. It's a surprise he lasted so long. And spoiler alert right here, it was heartbreaking to see him die and oh, get really chopped was. up.
1: It, bro- it broke my heart. I was like,
0: run! what are you doing? <laughs> it and was that's tough. how
1: much love he had for, for um, Will's mom that he just got, oh, you know, you're my everything. It, it was tough. I'm sorry. To cut you.
0: And definitely, no, not, not at all. And I, I definitely understand that we we're trying to ship the, the Hopper romance. With Mm -hmm. Will's mom as well, too. We've been trying to do that since season one. And there are seeds there for that. It makes sense. It's like a Nancy and Jonathan relationship where they've been through traumatic experiences. So, of course, they're going to be next to each other and try to build a relationship off of that. Especially with the children dynamic of being so close with Eleven and Will. So, yeah, definitely understand that. But I loved Bob. If anything, Bob was this season's Barb. And even though people have a following for Barb, she didn't really do that much in season one bob did so much if anything he's the one that 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 set up the graph for the the dig dug graph for the final (laughs) season to try to figure out how to defeat the shadow monster so it's just yeah if it wasn't for bob a lot of the plots would have never um basically came up they would have never really finished off the the monster if it wasn't for bob in my opinion i love him
1: no. Yeah. He um, he was that key role, even when it when it got down for him to be hands on in the hospital. I mean, in the government lab. You yeah. know, When he was running around the hallways, uh, decoding the computer, unlocking, turning on and stuff. So he was real critical. I'm sorry. He has one of my favorite lines. In the in the season. I don't know why, you know, I'm goofy like that, but when um they were going trick-or-treat on Halloween and they gave Will the camera, yeah, he's dressed up as the vampire. I hope it doesn't suck. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I was he's just so goofy, it makes you just gravitate towards him. Like, you know, he was just so chill, like you said, he wanted to be that father figure. And he even I think he even asked um Will's mom to like run away. Let's start a family, yeah. you know. Let's, let's move, move away. With, yeah. Yeah, let's move away. So um yeah, I gravitated to him instantly. It sucked that I knew he was gonna die, just like you said to transition that Hopper um, and Will's mom um, really, I don't what's her name. I keep well, forgetting. Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder, yeah. <laughs> so um, that relationship, you know, because you saw that chemistry and that's on the screen. So it had to happen. It was real heartbreaking when it happened because I was like, dude, you're getting chewed up by demo dogs. Yeah, no. it was like, tough. so it was tough and um it kind of sucked, but it had to happen. It yeah. has to happen.
0: Definitely. And, and definitely. And you know what? His character w- was an integral role to the plot in a good way and a bad way too. Mm-hmm. Because if it wasn't for Bob's advice to Will to stand up I to your de- to demons, yeah. you know, maybe that would have never happened. But I do have a feeling that no matter what, you know, in the upside down world... You know, the shadow monster would have found Will anyway and done what he did, a la uh, almost uh, what's the evil dead going through your body, going through holes in your body, trying to, you know, get into mm. your system. Yeah. But, you know, it's also Bob being clueless. People I hear all the time say maybe Bob was evil, maybe Bob was in on it the whole time. Oh, Bob is no, just not. clueless about yeah. the situation, number one, and two, trying to be a, a good father figure to Will mm-hmm. as well, too. So, you know, I think he was just incredible. But enough about Bob. You know, rest in peace, Bob. And-
1: <laughs> R.I.P. Bob. <laughs> so my question to you real quick before we move on
0: from Bob and let him rest in peace with his protein shake. Like, um, <laughs> do you feel his advice was bad or do you feel his advice was good? No, no. I feel his advice is great. That's the same advice yeah. we would all give the kids if they're getting yeah. bullied or something was happening. Like mm-hmm. I said, like, um, people were really trying to ship the idea that he was working with the upside down world, it makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, it makes
1: no sense whatsoever. Yeah. You know,
0: he was just being, you know, the coolest stepdad that wants to help out way too much or way too um, hard on, on these kids right here, especially Will. You know, he was trying so hard just to get through to Will in a in a fatherly level and a friend level as well too. And he's using his own experiences of being bullied um, to help Will out, so it, it, it was integral to the plot. Yeah, now, definitely. let's talk about your favorite character. <laughs>
1: Well, you know me, sometimes I'm a prick. So I'm a roll with the prick. And I have to go with the most epic name of the series. My son, Billy Hardgrove. <laughs> <laughs> I have to roll with Max's brother because he is such a prick. And um, I also feel like he helped out. I mean, he broke out of that show, but I also feel like he was such a great compliment for Steve, for Steve to toughen up, you get what I'm saying, yeah. after what he'd been through. So I feel like he was that great protagonist, I mean, antagonist for Steve. Like, I enjoyed the hell out of him. And at first, I didn't like him, because their story just can't. I feel like they just, like, dropped it on us. Like, hey, where did these two dudes come from? You get what I'm saying? Like, what are they here? What? Why are they here? Because I remember at one point, he was like, we're here because it's your fault, you know? He was telling Max, like, you know, but... I just really enjoyed him because he was such a great villain but not being too villainous in the sense of, you know, crimes or anything like that. You get what I'm saying? He was just a real stuck-up prick. But then I also enjoy that you see why he's like that. He is in an abusive father and um, son relationship. Right. You see it it in the show where his father just mushed him up and started disrespecting him and beating him and stuff like that. Go find your sister. So you kind of... I felt a little bad for him, and I see why he's like that. You know, That's why you can see a little bit of the hate towards Max, because he's still a young child. Not child, but he's still a young teen as well. So he grew some resent towards Max, and that's why you see it come out on the screen. So you kind of, yeah, it's not great, but you do see it. Um, you do kind of like could justify it. I'm not trying to justify it. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, so he also had a little downside to him, but I just loved everything about him. He was that 80s prick. Uh, my man was lifting weights, curling iron, smoking cigarettes, listening to, like, rat, you know, and stuff like that. Like, so I just enjoyed him. I feel like it was a fresh addition as well to the show, uh, aside from a lot of these goody two-shoes. You get what I'm saying? Right. Along uh, um, with the whole with the whole kids, with um Jonathan and Steve, you know, like, he was Steve in season one to Max. You get what I'm saying? Uh-huh. He just came in here into the town. Hey, this is who I am. I'm a prick what's up you know you guys are gonna love me or hate me so let's just roll with it but i really enjoyed it more for that aspect that he freshened up the show for me Cause oh like yeah I said, season one was like okay goody two shoes you know oh yeah they're young they're innocent and here comes this dude also he's a prick because in um i forgot what was it episode nine he tries to kick it to nancy's mother yes. he's the ultimate creeper like hey you know so like but then you saw him that he got humbled when um, Max, you know, syringed him and stuff. Like, stay away from my friends, you know? So I just overall love his character. It was good and bad at the same time, you know? And like I said, you do see his his way for being like that. Not trying to justify it, but you see that he's in an abusive relationship with his father.
0: Oh, definitely. You know, Billy, the former Red Ranger from the latest Power Ranger movie that came out. I was trying yeah. to figure it out, so I was like, I know his face. I'm like, oh, you're the Red Ranger. Right. That's
1: where he's from, okay.
0: So looking at him... Um. yes he was definitely a product of his environment especially with an abusive father and it's hard to really justify that I mean in some cases you can see why his dad's on his case because you know my man you're smoking cigarettes you're not caring about your Mm -hmm. sister you know you're dropping her off you know your stepsister where I got into a marriage now you're just losing her for no freaking reason not even caring you're about to slay some poontang and not Mm -hmm. even care about family so yeah I can see why as a as a father, you're going to get on the case of a son like that, especially when, you know, your son's beefy, curling up irons, looking like, <laughs> looking like you know, trying to be Arnold or whatnot with a mullet. You know, sometimes as a dad, you got to, you know, shut that down real quickly. But at the same time, though, yes, he's a product of what his father is doing to him. Yeah. He's going to show the same way to, uh, that his father is getting the same, I guess, intensity that his father's giving him to, uh, to Max. At the same mm-hmm. token, it was hard for me to get into him at first. I, at first, it was cool because yeah, you know, you got the mullet, you're going shirtless playing basketball the stock, <laughs> with the tube socks. With the tube socks, you know, <laughs> you're playing Danger Zone in your Mustang car. So it, it, it's you want to rally behind the cheesy '80s enemy. The same token, I, I was really uh, I felt uneased whenever I saw him and Max together for the first couple episodes because we didn't know what was going on. They didn't mm-hmm. announce it. You know, it looked like a brother sister relationship but then you know when a chick came and it was like don't call her my sister she's not my sister yeah. it was like well what is this you're not seeing parents in the household you're not seeing nobody you know that they live together you know that they mm-hmm. left the town for some reason and he blames her so it's just like some kind of i don't know weird weird like i guess i don't want to say sexual because i know that's a little no it's not, right
1: it, was, it was kind of creepy yeah it, it so was you off, it's kind of creepy because like i said you see that it's a real abusive relationship, but the show gives you no substance to why this damn near 18-year-old looking guy is running around with this 12-year-old, you know? So then, you know, they drop it real quick. That's not my sister. So you kind of like, okay, what happened? Then you start questioning the natural, like, what did she do? You know, because he's putting the blame on her completely, you know? So then you saw towards the end where, you know, I guess his father married his stepmother and they moved to Hawkins. And now you see why he's like that with her. Mm. Like I said, I'm not justifying it, but it also makes you feel that I enjoyed it. Not a lot of people may have seen it like that, but I enjoyed it to a sense where he's a prick, but he's still protective of her. You get what I'm saying? Like, he was trying to tell Lucas um, stay away, you know, okay. stay away. So I want to touch on way. that. I want yeah. to
0: touch on that because you see his resentment toward Lucas. Now, I want mm-hmm. to know from your from your own view, is this a big brother role or do you think it has something to do with racism as well too because Lucas is black and mm-hmm. you know they p- kind of play with with that role throughout the throughout the show uh, yeah, especially the, with the Ghostbusters part no you know, yeah. one wants to be Ernie you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you why because he's black yeah. <laughs> You know, it's tough but the same token I, I just didn't see a legitimate reason why Billy hated Lucas so much besides his race I mean, it wasn't like he cared enough about Max to begin with to, to protect her in that way. Mm. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on that.
1: You know what? It's one of those things where it's 50-50. It's one of those things where the show is going to leave you guessing. Yeah. So it actually gives you the answer, the complete answer. So it's going to be one of those things that we're going to guess that everybody's going to guess. Is it due to race or is it due to, at the end of the day, he's still soft and playing that big brother role? I'm going to take it as, you know... I'm going to take it – you can take it as both, you know. I'm going to take it as that at the end of the day, he's still kind of that softy because, like I said, he is a product of his environment. We don't know how he was before that. You get what I'm saying? Definitely. So I'm going to take it in the sense of that he still has that soft spot in him, you know, at the end of the day, this is not going to get better. Let me make this work, you know. And also also you could say, but no – you can't take it as a big brother role because his father bullied him into protecting her and stuff like that. I'm just gonna look at that. Maybe he has some kind of you know ounce of niceness in him. Maybe he's playing that big bully. I mean that big brother role. Also, it could be race, you know, because black and white, ebony and ivory, you know, right? Racism is is something that still exists nowadays. So maybe it could also be that hey, you know, I don't want you with my sister because of your color. So. It's a it's a real hard subject. And I actually think this is harder than the kids having sexual desires. I'm sorry. Like, I feel this is a tougher pill to swallow. Right. It is. It is something that's real bad and permeates nowadays. I don't want to talk about that. But it's one of those things where the show will not let you know concrete proof until they decide to let you know, like, hey, until either Billy says it, I don't want you with my sister because of your color or I don't want you with my sister because I'm supposed to protect her.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that's what Stranger Things does from season yeah. one to now. It exposes a lot of truths of society back in the 80s. And you can even relate to it now as well, mm. too. Um, but um, not to wrap it up too much no, right real, now. Go real, ahead.
1: real quick, real quick. Last thing I want to say. Why did I also um, about the whole Billy thing? Sorry to so cut you off. No, why no. I also why I also said that, that I'm taking it as it's a big brother thing because an episode was in nine when he busts down at will's house like, hey steve you know little birdie told me my sister's here you know no she's not here so who's her that who's that in the window he sees his sister also, he tells him, "I'm not liking what's going on here. It looks real fishy, you know. A grown ass man with a little girl like that. What's going on
0: here? You get um, what I'm saying?" That that sounds sarcastic, in my opinion. Though you think it was sarcastic? I think it was just to get you know this this can, can get you up? this can get you in trouble, Steve. You don't want this going around that you were alone in the house with a 12 year old. What if that got around? So I don't know. That could have gone 50 50 as well too. Yeah. No. Definitely. I just took it like that, but
1: let's see. Hey, you never know. He might soften up after the beating. His sister damn near almost gave him with the bath. was going to crush
0: his nuts. It's (laughs) true. It's true. And I wanted to get into that. So um, the final (laughs) segment I wanted to get into was just what was our favorite uh, episodes. And I'll step into mine because mine was the episodes that kind of got things full circle, which was episode six. I felt okay. like um, episode six, we got everything. We got the fact that we knew what the relationship was between Billy and Max. We got Max and Lucas, you know, finally holding hands and maybe having some intentions, you know, at full circle between them. Um, yeah. You got um, Dustin coming around with the demi dog, regretting his decisions as well, too. But also now that he's regretting his decisions, looking for the help he needs which was finding Steve. And then you get Steve yeah. coming to full circle, getting the bat, getting everything together, becoming the badass he wanted to be, and just, just saying, you know what? F it. I don't have to deal with Nancy in relationships. I'm just going to go on, see what these kids are up to. And if it's that crazy, I'm up for it. I'm down. And that's what he did. He riled the kids together. you got that great junkyard scene with the, with the many Demi dogs coming through. It was just fun. That episode, it made me feel like, damn, this was the episode that made... Me say, I I kind of like this season,
1: to I love this season. I agree. That really was a good episode, and that's where everything comes full circle. But my favorite episode, and it's just... I mean, like I said, I enjoyed the whole season overall, but I'm just going to give my tidbit. It's not going to be as epic and detailed as yours, but my favorite episode was eight, because, like I said, this is a real... At, at the end, I mean, there I could say there were a few favorite episodes, because... Like um, real quick to just you know not not sit here and um, rant rant, but um, it it, it has a, like you started seeing a lot of things like you said from the '80s because this is at the end of the day I feel like it's an '80 you know homage you know paying right. homage to the '80s. So and it is also a real geek orientated show. So I just loved episode eight where um Dustin um he hits the he thinks about the mind flare. And he just starts geeking and having fun and laughing. And then did you see people just trying to shut him yes. down? Like, you know, oh, but, and then Dustin tells him, oh, no, it's this metaphor that could work. And he goes, analogy. And he goes, really, that's what you're worried about? And then, you know, he starts explaining it with so much love and detail. It it, it just, I really felt warm in that episode because it was a little geek out session. Us being nerds and geeks, you know, it made me feel like, damn, I really love the show. I enjoyed the show. He kind of gets us. You know what I'm saying? So like, he just went full geek on that episode, I feel, and I enjoyed it. So I have to say episode eight, you know, that that's my favorite episode. There are a bunch of favorite episodes, but episode eight for that one little split scene with the whole geek out moment, I really enjoyed it.
0: Let's give our final thoughts on episode nine, the finale, what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it, what we were disappointed in the ending. Um, in my case, I felt like the ending fell a little flat for me. I felt like... Mm-hmm. Um, In season one, we finally got the epic showdown with Eleven and the Demi Gorgon, And her just making it explode and her disappearing in the same process was just so crazy. So seeing here, you know, her going up against, you know, the Shadow Monster in a way. Because the Shadow Monster was still trapped in the Upside Down world. It was just her closing the door. It wasn't really her taking on the Shadow Monster whatsoever. Maybe that's a little tidbit for the future. But the same token, I felt like it was just... Eleven closing the door, and that was about it. What I did love, though, that snowball dance. Um, I think <laughs> that really hit home for me, especially seeing Lucas and Max kiss. And from what I'm hearing as well, too, that kiss had to be about four or five takes as well, too. So, your yeah, man, Lucas was getting some smooch on. Um, oh, yeah, I know he was loving it. And then, of course, you got the tension finally uh, culminate between Eleven and um, and what's his name, Mike? Mike, yeah, Mike um, with a kiss. And that was fun. Yeah, I felt like oh, yeah. that was just like a feel good moment for anybody. You know, I'm a savvy guy sometimes and I like to know that in my teenage years there was that one girl that I wish I took to the dance and had that, that, that quintessential oh, yeah. kiss. So that felt good to me. What about you? Um
1: I'm just gonna have to jump right into it and I'm going to tell you I don't like how the show ended. Because like you said, you at the, For season one, you saw the obliteration of the, the Demi-Vorgan by Eleven, so it was really epic. I feel that this one was just, man, it was so lackluster. It had its, um, its intensity in the sense that, okay, you see her get mad as she levitates, like, no, stay away from my friends, because that's her main thing. Right. You know, she loves these friends. She loves her friends. You know, so I had that intense aspect where she's like, nah, you're not getting out of there. I'm going to close it no matter what. You see the blood running from her nose. At the same time, you see Hopper being that father for her, shooting down the demo dogs with the shotgun. So you saw that intensity. I loved it. It was emotions, everything wrapped up in one. But at the same time, like you said, I feel like for me it was real lackluster because in a way it was kind like of like a definite stamp on the season. It's like, okay, you're going to trap him. Fine, that's it. He's not getting out through there. I mean it leads you to believe where is he gonna get out because you see him in the upside down world, you know, at the end. But I feel like the ending was a bit lackluster because, you know, it it, maybe they did it different because, you know, maybe they expected like a little tentacle sticking out or something, a little dog still, you know, but like I just felt it was lackluster and I feel like also it put a definite stamp on the show. Like I said, you do see him at the end in the upside down world. Eventually he'll probably escape he's plotting his revenge. As far for the dance um, the dance was pretty awesome Like, because I liked it as like, okay, now these kids can actually be kids and they can chill. You get what I'm saying? Like, this is over. Let's, um, you know, chill, have fun, relax. Um, I enjoy seeing Dustin with that little hair, <laughs> you know, when he has yes. the little mullet I, going uh, on. Yeah, the little mullet. Once again, you see um, Steve being his big brother almost, you know, that buddy buddy. He drove him to the dance and everything, like, you know, go knock him dead and stuff like that. The ending, the snowball dance was a great scene. You saw some smooches, like you said. It culminated finally, Max, I mean, Mike and Eleven, you know. But I just felt a little bit bad for Dustin, but here comes Nancy to save him. So that was pretty cool on her part. Overall, I mean, I felt like I was happy with the ending,
0: but overall, I felt like it was just like, eh, a little bit lackluster. Are you looking forward to Season 3? I mean, we have so many unanswered questions. We know Eleven has her own little sister there, that her mm-hmm. has her own powers. We didn't really get to touch into it, but whoever's going to watch yeah. the show, uh, maybe this leads you into watching it again and no seats certain in parts. I love that she has her own little X-Men powers of uh, yeah, be manipulation, so that's fun. <laughs> I like the whole punk crew that she was hanging around with as well, mm-hmm. too. I would hope to see that in Season 3. The government as well, too. Officials that are... Uh, overseeing that organization of giving these kids these powers or finding out that they do have powers whatever yeah. it may be that's interesting as well too so there's a little bit of tidbits that I if they went away from the upside down world i think i'd still be satisfied what about you
1: oh no definitely there's still a lot of unanswered questions because like you said is it the government giving these child their powers or is it a a, a... You know, if we look at the mind flare, uh, the mind flare, what they call him, the shadow monster, mm-hmm. he looks like an alien. You know, yes. a tribute to aliens, of course. But okay, these kids have powers. Could it be that there's this alien race? You get what I'm saying? Where are they getting their powers from? So I would like to see that. I would definitely like to see um, uh, the, the the Steve dynamic incorporated more. I want to see some more of how Billy will handle Max. I want to see that right there. I want to see also, like you said, um, Eleven's sister. Is she going to try to come back for 11? Is she going to try to corrupt 11? You know, because she's the one that's corrupted and mad and she's just taking out, you know, her frustration on the world. You know, you saw that she got kind of lost. Or are you going to see 11 to try to tell her, hey, come to the good side? You know, these are my friends. You know, if they, uh, the, 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 the Monster Escapes, you know, the mind flyer or whatever, player, if he was to escape, like, you know, try to recruit her actually for good, you know, so we can actually take this down together. You know, so there's a lot of things that I want to see, a lot of ways they can go. And I'm definitely pumped for season three.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, I yeah. hope you enjoyed this show right here. It was a quick little recap on a show that we love, that we love both seasons. I think we're eager for another season for next year coming out. So, um, bro, Jay, where can people find you?
1: They can find me on Bumpers at underscore J Rance. Here with the Stoop and the Kamora Chronicles. Also, the Kamora Chronicles is on iTunes, so you can check that out. That's all MMA talk, where we do our thing. Um, they can also find me on Instagram at underscore J Rance. My same name is Bumper, and they can catch me on Twitter at EDM Trippy. Where awesome, they find you, bro.
0: Oh, they can find me here at Sideshow Conversations, doing things of. Pro Wrestling, Comic Books, Netflix, Hulu, Theater Reviews as well, too. And also co-hosting with you on the Camaro Chronicles. Both of these podcasts are on iTunes, Bumpers, and uh, we gotta let the people know for Android users, too, brother. Because yeah. the Camaro Chronicles, <laughs> from what I'm seeing, too, is also on Podcast Republic. Also, um, Sideshow Conversations is both on... Mm-hmm. A podcast Republic as well too. It's a free little podcast listener for people that can't access into iTunes. You can find us there. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter at UncannyV Val Cisco, um, and on Facebook we have our little. Sideshow Conversations page where we throw up everything from the Kimura Chronicles to SciShow Conversations to MMA news pro wrestling news geek news we get your freak on over there so come everything join the party pop culture. yes everything pop culture
1: <laughs> alrighty then so for I sure. <laughs> for sure <laughs> uh, alright brother wrap it up this is your episode so I can't wrap it up for you <laughs> don't worry about <laughs> it
0: guys thank you so much for joining us until the next one brother have a good one alright man you
1: too later